Good morning. Welcome to Morning Matters at 10. My name is Paul Myrick. I'll be your host today. It's great to be with you. Morning Matters at 10 is part of the Acts 17 Accord. Acts 17 Accord is committed to preparing God's people to live righteous, spirit-filled lives to the end of the age. It's great to be with you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about, let's see, get some lights on here. We're going to be talking about um, the six-day creation. We've spent the last few weeks talking about the greatest lie ever told, the, the lie of the age of the earth. And I think that can be demonstrated pretty clearly that it is a lie and uh, how much it is, has uh, affected the Christian faith. Um, basically how this goes today, I'll just read this a little bit here to you. Often I hear Christians say that it doesn't matter if Genesis 1 and 2 are interpreted literally as a six-day creation as long as we believe God created it all. Well, it's important. It's important you understand this. Well, I believe that you can be a faithful believer and accept evolution in millions of years. I'm not saying you're not a Christian or you're an evil person. Um, as long as you recognize God as the creator and savior of the world. And if you recognize that, that God did it, and he could have used that process, then that's okay. At least as far as that goes. However, I firmly believe that the rejection of the Genesis record and allegiance to evolutionary beliefs undermines the Christian faith. Uh, while, while when we reject the most obvious interpretation of the Genesis record, it weakens every scriptural teaching and undermines the authority of the scriptures. So last week I spent some time talking to you about, about Genesis 1 and really defending what I would say is a six-day creation. And I would encourage you to get that video and listen to that, or the podcast, you can do either one, get it on podcast or video, and listen to that. But I said there's, what we're talking about is there's eight reasons why I believe it matters whether we teach a young earth or not. Uh, the first is, is, and I'm not going to go over it all again, but the first is that I believe the Bible actually teaches it. And I think that's a critical, critical issue because the Bible is the foundation for the Christian faith. And if you can prove the Bible to be wrong, then I think the faith is, is personally lost. And I don't think you can come up with a, a better interpretation of Genesis 1 than a literal six-day creation. There are other interpretations, and I know sincere people believe that, but... I disagree with that. Again, I would encourage you to listen to that tape. You also can go on my website at www.axe17accord.com and go under blogs. And it's uh, there's, a, there's a title there. Let me pull that up here real quick. Um, what's the name of this blog? <laughs> um, what a Difference a Day Makes. That's the name of it. It's on the, under the blogs. You can, you can look at that, and that would give you... Um, you can read through the details. There's a lot of details in this, and I realize there's a lot of material to cover, uh, but we're trying to summarize this so everybody can, can understand it, at least lay a foundation for different aspects of, of, the, of the scriptures in the Christian life. All right, so, to, so the first one of the eight is that I believe the Bible teaches that, and I'm not gonna go through that again. Secondly, the second point is this. Um, sorry. Okay, number two, adding long, ages of, adding long ages of time does not solve the conflict with science. The belief is that we can add long ages of time to the Genesis record. We can reconcile creationism with the latest scientific theory. 
you know, so if we just, you know, the progressive creation says, well, God created supernaturally Adam and Eve, but everything else evolved. And there's millions of years between each day. Some people say it's just, you know, well, it was just a story. It didn't mean to be literal. The science speaks where it speaks. The Bible speaks where it speaks. Never to the two shall meet. And, um, of course, if Genesis 1 is actually meaning a six-day little creation, literal creation, then that is a problem. But I don't believe we can reconcile creation with the latest scientific theory. The problem is that Genesis, the, the entire Genesis account is filled with supernatural creative activity. From the production, from the perspectives of the evolutionary worldview, from the perspective of the evolutionary worldview, was day one 13.9 billion years ago, and about 4.5 billion years ago before the process began, the creation of the earth, so it's like you have this, this huge amount of time. How do you fit those kind of time frames in a six-day creation? Well, you can say they're long ages of time, but that, that doesn't really fit. That doesn't really make it fit. It's just simply a, a little bit of a compromise so that think, you think you can still hold on to uh, the scientific worldview. So then what happened? Light came into being, the water came into being, the oceans, the sea, the earth, dry ground capable of growing vegetation appeared. Then living seeds, plants, waters, creatures, innumerable, water creatures, innumerable numbers of them, came about in all the animals of the earth, and then humanity came to be. So was the completion of the universe separate from the completion of the earth? How many years did it take for the water and plants and living beings, eventually pre-humans, and then the rise of the first humans? I mean, all of this process, it's like you've got, you know, the Bible just gives us a very orderly process. And you're saying that all of these things just, you know, millions and millions. And I mean, really, we've got to be talking, well, you got to, I mean, somehow the earth formed in 4.5 billion. And then you got, what, a million or two? How many millions of years did it take for all of these specific things, the seeds to come about? How did seeds come about? I mean... You know, all of these things, it's like there's just tons and tons and tons of stuff. I don't think adding six, adding millions of years or lots of time really solves the problem of the creation story with, with, uh, um, with evolution. I just don't think it does in the long ages of time. Um, you can't harmonize it with the scientific worldview by simply adding millions of years to verses two and three. It makes the process ridiculous. I mean, is it not scientific when it says that everything reproduces after its own kind? That's a scientific fact. That's not a story. That's, you know, how does, how does that happen? How does that fit in with, you know, the whole evolutionary process? What do you do about the way the earth was planted? Or the way the earth was created according to the Bible? According to Peter, he said he, he created it out of water and by water. He created it out of water and by water. That's what he did. Well, how do they say the earth was formed? Well, out of this massive explosion and this super hot lava and everything, and it coalesced. And well, what does that do with with Second Peter? I mean, you just have to throw Second Peter away. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it says. You know, and it, it's it doesn't solve the problems to add time. I think it increases them. It just becomes really unmanageable in every way. You can't have both stories. I, I don't. And I know people are quite comfortable with that because basically what they say is they say, oh, no, it doesn't really matter. And they just push it all aside. Oh, you're a young earther. You're just kind of nuts and you just can't deal. You just don't like science. I get so tired of hearing that. Science is great. I love science. I don't believe origins is scientific because they can't observe what happened. 
and they're making all kinds of assumptions all along the way. Now, maybe their assumptions are true, but you can't prove it is true. And if you can't prove it is true, then I'm going to accept what the Bible says. So the point of it is, is it's just this, it doesn't solve the issue. They're just too far apart. You can't, you really just have to dismiss the whole biblical record. Basically, that's what they do. If you add millions of years between day or billions, it has to be between day one and day two, you know, or Genesis two and three, well, what's the point of the rest of it? I mean, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything because it didn't happen the way that, that's not how it happened, not according to science. You know, you just, you just can't do it. They don't work together. So I, I don't think adding time solves the problem of, of Genesis, let alone all the other statements that Jesus made and other statements that Moses made later, which we looked at last time. Number three, Peter's prophecy tells us that in the last day, the lies of evolution will be accepted on the earth. Now, I talked about this a couple of uh, sessions ago when we talked about the lies of the age of the earth. His prophecies had been fulfilled. Prophesied that the lie of the old earth's evolutionary worldview would have great sway in the last days. Let me read this passage again to you because you didn't hear those, those, that's those videos. He says, this is Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now that sentence really makes no real sense about anything other than evolution. Because when you see what he talks about next, you find uniformity, you find naturalism, anti-supernatural, all these things. But they deliberately forget that, by long, that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, the earth was formed out of water and by water. So the Bible teaches that God created everything ex nihilo. He spoke it into existence, water by water. There was water. I believe the earth originally was this, uh, a globe, and it was a mixture. When God created it, it was a mixture of all the minerals diluted with water, right? It was all diluted. It was all together. And I believe it was spinning at the beginning and it's spent and that's why you had day one was you had a full rotation so you had day and you had night night against where the sun or the light that god created was on the other side it became day or became night and then it came around became day so that's what it was so this is again so the waters everything was formed out of waters and by water so what is he talking in the context some people say well oh this he, everything goes on since the beginning of creation it has nothing to do with it Uniformity it has everything to do with it because the context, the context is the creation of the earth. So maybe these guys didn't fully understand that, but I think they did. I think Lyle and Hutton and Darwin, these guys understood what they were doing very specifically. Um, now they were not atheists, I'm gonna say that again, but they were practical atheists because they believed that there was nothing that the creator had to do with the actual creation of the universe. I mean, he might have started it. I mean, they really never solved that problem. They just come jump past that idea and said, this is the process. And they started talking about process, long ages of time. They deliberately forget also the world, but that by these waters, they also, excuse me. So they deliberately forget that by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So they reject... First of all, they, they reject a supernatural creation. Naturalism does not believe in a supernatural creation. If you put naturalism and the supernatural together, they, they don't fit, right? Science says, I'm looking at the, I'm observing. Okay, great, observe what you can observe, right? But you can't observe the past. 
you can get clues from the evidence, but there's different ways to interpret the evidence. It's not just one way. According to science, so theirs is the only way. Theirs is the only truth. But they rejected not only that God created it, but they rejected that God destroyed the earth with the, with the flood. They developed the idea of, of uh, anti-catastrophism. That was a big thing for many, many uh, decades after Darwin and these guys came along. They rejected that. By the same word, they, the present heavens, earth are, heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So Peter, in the first century, prophesies. He says, uniformity, which is everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Radiometric dating, okay, radiometric dating. Oh, it, it decays at this rate. We've been testing it in 100 years, and it's always decayed at the same rate. Therefore, it's always been that way. That's an assumption. And I wouldn't make assumptions if you can't, because you can't prove them. You know, the idea that the plate tectonics move about an eighth of an inch a year. It's like, oh, well, hey, they've been moving. Maybe they were here originally, and they add it up, and they say, oh, it's billions of years or millions of years that the plates have been moving. Not recognizing that there had to be an impetus for the plates to move. There had to be some events so catastrophic and so massive that it literally broke continents apart and pushed them away. They moved quickly initially. They would have moved fast. This big explosion happened, and I believe it was the rupture of the, the uh, fountains of the deep and the rupture of the Earth's crust, and these volcanic activity moved everything away, and the mountains and the ocean were formed. All of these things happened, and I used the illustration. I've used this before. When you put a, if I put a guy on a roller skates at the one end of the roller skating rink, and I, rink and I push him, and he rolls all the way to the other end. He doesn't do anything but just roll. When's he gonna be going faster, at the beginning or at the end? He's gonna be going faster at the beginning. The end, he's gonna be barely moving. That's what we see now, the eighth and inch a year, we see is just the settling down from the catastrophe of the global flood. They rejected the flood, they rejected supernaturalism. Um, and these guys did this intentionally. I know I talked about this before, but it seems like not everybody heard that tape, so I'm gonna say it again. He, Peter describes Hutton, Lyle, Darwin, and Wellhouse. Now, they're not the only guys. There's lots of mockers. A lot of people believe these things before Darwin. They believe these things before Hutton, before Lyle. Uh, these are not new. They were just the ones that the enemy used to bring this to the forefront. It was Lyle specifically who intentionally deceived, deceived church leaders as to the age of the earth. Darwin specifically rejected supernatural creation of living things. Wellhausen, who was the biblical guy afterwards, directly rejected the Bible as the word of God. Okay, so Peter prophesies these, these different things. And again, I'm just going to read them. I said them once, but let me just read them out. Number one, the coming of scoffers and mockers of God who rejected the biblical account of creation. That's true. That's what they did. Secondly, the development of the doctrine of uniformity. Everything goes as it has, on as it has since the beginning of creation. All of the natural processes have always been this speed. The rejection of the supernatural, both in creation and all aspects of life. Uh, the development of the doctrine of naturalism. Now, naturalism, if I'm just looking at the observation of nature, well, yeah, that, I'm, obviously I'm not looking for supernatural in everything because the laws of nature are natural, right? They, they happen. But what you don't know is what happened in the past. They don't know why things are the way that they are. And when they reject the flood, then that becomes a huge problem. Uh, they reject the means of creation. Again, God created the earth out of water and by water. Uh, they reject the global flood by the same waters. The world of that day was deluged to destroy. 
Um, seven, they deny the coming destruction of the earth. This is where people are at. This is what's happened. And this, this lie, which took place almost 200 years ago, this lie still runs the world of science today and runs most of our academics. It runs most of the church because most of the church either just doesn't care. We just let it go because it's too controversial. I'll lose half my church members or, you know, I don't really know. I mean, most pastors probably don't have a clue. I mean, I wonder how many really, really study, if they ever really studied, uh, is Genesis history. And, and, you know, the books by Morris and Whitcomb for years, people have been writing. I mean, there's been books for decades, for centuries about these things. But they're the minority, right? <laughs> well, okay. Well, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Sometimes the minority is right. In this case, it is right. Most times the minority is right. Uh, for, so the fourth reason, uh, the church no longer speaks with authority. There was a time when 13 men turned the world on its head, when Jesus' word was law. Over the centuries, the spiritual influence of the church weakened. We came to rely on political power and the government to accomplish spiritual things. Then the church itself became powerful. After the rise of evolution in the long ages of, of time, the church... And I mean that in a very broad sense. When I talk about the church, it's like I was thinking about this a minute ago. The church is the body of Christ. That's every believer from the day of Pentecost today, till today, who repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. According to 1 Corinthians 13, they were placed into the body of Christ. Now, Paul was writing that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 to the Corinthian Church, Really, I would rather say the Corinthian congregation or the Corinthian assembly. It was a local assembly. That's what it was. It was the gathering of the believers in the Ephesus area that met together. They met in homes. They met in the temple or in the school of Tyrannus. They met in the temple initially. All the places that they could meet. Anytime they could find a big gathering, they would meet there. But generally, they meet in that small home. So that is the congregation. You can call it the church. You can call it the congregation of, of Ephesus. But it's confusing because the church is the overall body of Christ. Right? But the congregation is, is really different. It's, it's, a, it's the smaller gathering, which is a part of the larger church. <clears throat> so when we talk about this, so the church became powerful. So when I say that, I'm saying what would be considered really an ecclesiastical structure. And that's the problem, like, with, when you talk about any church, but especially when you talk about Catholicism, which was the group that was in power during Hutton and Lyell and, be, and with uh, Galileo and Copernicus. They were the, the church. They would represent the church. Well, they didn't represent the church at all. They may not have even been members of the church. You can be in, you could be a priest, a pope, a pastor, a, a Sunday school teacher, and you not know Jesus at all, and you're not even in the church, although you're going to a building. You're meeting in a building with other believers, with, with believers around you, but you're not a believer yourself. So being in the church is being born again, it's being repentant, repentance and salvation, repentance, faith, being born again, placed into the body of Christ. So you have this structure. This is a human structure. And it's really the problem, the biggest problem I have with Catholicism and with a lot of religions is they have structures that are man-made. They're built on men. They're built on these huge, they're built on big buildings and edifices and money and power and control and all of these things that happen. That's not God's church. That's man's assembly. That's man's church. It's not God's. God's not in that. That's not his thing. 
Okay, I'm saying, now I'm not saying he's not, doesn't visit there at times, but the whole structure of papacy is completely unbiblical. It's based on some things from the Old Testament, some things from the New Testament, and they just have kind of made this whole structure up and it's powerful. I mean, it rules half the world and it's gonna rule the world more. And you, you know, the Pope speaks and everybody goes, oh wow, well, no. The Pope, there is no, look at Jesus said not to call anyone on earth father. Pope means Holy Father. Don't do it. Don't call him. Don't go, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. No. Don't say, hey, teacher, or hey, pastor. You know, no, you call, say, hey, you know, when I was a pastor full time, I didn't have people call me Pastor Paul. That's my, that's my job. That means like, hey, engineer, how are you? You know, hey, artist. You know, it's just a job. It was, it was, a, it was a spiritual job, and I had, but I was paid to do it, you know, but. The pastor was my heart, my heart to care for the people. I was just a member of the congregation who God put in charge. But I'm not, I didn't rule the people. We worked together. I, I had to lead, I had to set spiritual direction. But it, ha, it was not, it was not a power position. When churches have power positions, it's a dangerous thing. You better not get power. You don't want that kind of power because you're going to end up walking with the enemy, not with Jesus, if you don't have the right attitude toward this thing. So the church, if you think about it in history, the church had power. All right, the worldly church had power. They ran the governments. Now, should they have influence on governments? Of course. The church should have influence everywhere. The body, individual, but it's through individuals. It's through congregations praying, congregations gathering, doing things, affecting your neighborhood, going out to your neighborhood, helping people, the local assemblies doing that. But this whole power structure that is the church is just unbiblical. It's, I'm not saying it's totally unbiblical, but mostly it is. Um, so I, I say this, once the church, and I mean that in the broad worldly sense, was God. Now science has become God and the church has been silenced. So the influence, <coughs> the influence of the church has been diminished. That was diminished because we were trying to be the world and we let things happen. It's kind of like, you know, where did how did abortion become legal in America? I don't know, most of you know this, but I think it was Connecticut versus Griswold, and it had to do with birth control initially. You know, a couple was arrested for having birth control in their marriage, right, in their, in their drawer. And they were arrested, and so they fought it. And then on birth control, then they snuck in this whole thing about, about abortion. And abortion became legal, and birth control became legal, and and it was like nobody really understood the significance of it. People were, I mean, I'm sure some did, but most people did not, right? So you have, and it, it was, it's amazing how it happened. So the church and the state, our job is to be salt and light. We're to influence, we're to speak, we're to speak into our culture. We're to tell our culture that, hey, look at if you're in transgender, you're caught up in this thing, it's, it's a dangerous thing for you. And, and we have to have compassion and kindness to homosexuals, to people who are just sleeping together all the time. Heterosexual, it doesn't matter what kind of sexual sin you're involved in, right? It doesn't matter what kind of drugs you're doing. I mean, all these things, we're to help people, we're to be salt and light, and we're to encourage people and preach the gospel and teach them what it means to be a Christian and, and help them live a Christian life. That's the real church. But in the big sense of it, the church was God. I mean, whatever they said, everybody did. And then science became God. Now whatever science says is what happens. And science says anything, people say, oh, science, oh, yeah, where's the, 
no, you don't believe in science. And that's a big thing. They always say, again, I said that earlier. You don't believe in science. No, I believe in science. I just don't believe in historical science. It's not history. It's not science. It's guesswork. It's, you know, you don't know what really happened. So the thing, then things change, and now science is in charge. Science declares the church, science declares the church capitulates. We merely claim it doesn't matter as long as you have faith. We now speak without any authority. So this whole issue is about the church having been caught up in the world system and losing their power and trying to say, how can I get along? It's like, oh, how do I get these people to really like me? And how do I get to have influence? Preach the gospel. Speak the truth. God, the earth is not millions of years old. That's a lie. It's a deception. And if you believe it, you're deceived. You can call me whatever names you want to. I'm telling you, you're deceived. You do not know. And I'm telling you, it's wrong. Because the Word of God stands, and I'll stand with the Word of God. And again, I'm not anti-science, but I don't believe science has proved that the earth is old at all. I think there's many claims, many reasons to believe it is not, just on a scientific basis. But again, I'm still committed to the Word. So the Word teaches it, I accept the Word. So we don't have any authority. Now, God never wanted the church to wield power through the force or governments. It wasn't the government. Governments are set up by God to protect us from one another, Romans 13. One through eight, but through the our power is through the proclamation of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. But what's happened because the church in America is so intermingled with the world. I mean, we, this became we became a Christian nation. So when the church said stuff, everybody you know would just go with it, right? And we still have that memory, but we don't have the basis of it. And this is why when I talk about why this matters. Why the Genesis matters is really, this is where the rubber meets the road. Instead of understanding the word itself and teaching the word and proclaiming the word and recognizing, nobody recognized, or a few people recognized what Lyell was doing. And since that time, we have all of these great philosophers and there are many of them, you know, I like these guys. I've used William Lane Craig's stuff in my book. You know, he's good, but I totally disagree with his view on the young earth. I think they're totally out wrong. I think they've compromised the faith. Hugh Ross has compromised the faith in this area. And it's a horrible thing what it's done. And people say, oh, you're going to lose all of these, pre, you know, these scientific people. It's not my job to save them. It's not my job. My job is to teach the truth. And God will deal with the people. Let God show people. I mean, right now in Europe, creationism is having this huge surge coming back. Why? Because something changed. No, because God's doing his work. It's God's job to do that. My job is to teach the Bible and practice it and love people and, and share the gospel. <clears throat> so, you know, God spoke and created the entire universe out of nothing. The Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The scriptures are God's very words to humanity. Only His Word will change our world. The body of Christ must stop trying to be accepted by the world and begin to declare God's worth with the word with the authority and power given us by the sacrifice of Jesus and present presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Just speak the word. Say it. Say this is true. Walk in it. And see what people do. God, it's God's word. The Holy Spirit has to tell people. I guarantee you that I spent my lifetime thinking about this topic. I wrote a book on it. I spent 35 years before I wrote it, really working on it. And I spent lots of time since then working on it. Now, you can, some people think, well, I got all these problems in my life. Look at how all kinds of things happened to me today. I have several major emotional things happening with my family, you know, today. What does, how old the earth matter? 
Well, it matters because ultimately all of Christianity is based on God's word. And my faith, what do I do when I'm having these struggles? Well, Jesus, I need your help. <laughs> I put my kids, I put the situation, I put this in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because I know the word's true. The word said he's going to be there. I'm going to believe it because the word is true. So I'm, pro I'm, I'm practicing the word. This topic, if you don't understand it, eventually you will, it will weaken your faith. And you will find other areas where you will compromise. You will. And, you know, we see that in many places. Science declares the earth is billions of years old. Most accept their word on this and toss aside the Genesis account and the scriptures. Today I declare the earth is not billions of years old. To believe so is to be deceived and to abandon the scriptures. All scientific beliefs concerning the age of the earth and its creation, all beliefs concerning natural selection and evolution are false. Now, people say, oh, there's macro or microevolution. Well, no, there's maybe you call it adaptation. I don't think it is. I think God built in the system all sorts of possibilities. And, you know, natural selection may, you know, it's like, why do my kids look a certain way? Well, my wife and I have certain DNA and it passes on and there's characteristics that are passed on. But, you know, God could intervene and bring something else into that eventually. But the natural process is those things pass on, right? So when, when the beak of a finch changed, he just made beaks, finches with big beaks and with thin beaks. And when the environment changed, the ones with the fat beak couldn't eat, so they died. There was not evolution involved in that. There's no change. It's just that you had two kinds of beaks. So the one beak is now predominant. White moss, black moss, the same thing. Industrial, industrial revolution changed the whole environment. So now the white moss got wiped out and the black moss survived. It, it had nothing to, nothing changed. Things don't evolve in that way. It's all built into the system. All of these laws are there. They're part of the system. All right. Um, so that's number four. We don't have any authority. We don't have any authority because we don't know what we believe. If you don't, listen, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not a scientist. I'm not, but I have read science. I've read their books. I've read both sides. I've read Dawkins. I've read Hawkins. <laughs> you know, I read these guys. I just took the time, and I'm telling you, it was hard to read them, to understand. And there's going to be sometimes I have to read it three or four times to grasp it. It's kind of like reading a law book, right? You read it, and you go, well, I'm not a lawyer, but I... Oh, and then you finally get the idea of what it means, right? And you understand it. But it takes time. It takes investigation. You're a pastor. You better investigate this stuff. You better, you're a church leader. You're responsible to teach the word. And don't avoid Genesis 1 and 2 because, and, you know, I tell you, don't teach an old earth. You're going to regret that. But I'm telling you, study this. Listen carefully. Watch his Genesis history and all the 20 or 30 videos they have. Best stuff out there. Great stuff. You can find my book online somewhere. You can read it. Or I do have an online copy I can send you. All right. So, the, so we need to have authority. But evolution being the main thing, church has lost its authority. Number five, millions have lost their faith over the last 150 years, 200 years. I don't remember how long it is exactly. But evolution and higher criticism destroyed the faith in Europe. You may have found your faith despite the lies of evolution in the long ages of the earth. But millions upon millions have lost there, especially young people, and it's still happening, right? In his book, Already Gone, Ken Ham discusses the reason so many young people are leaving the faith. One of the bigger reasons is evolution, long ages of time, Noah's Ark, the global flood, etc. Also, it's considered intellectual to, to be intellectual to reject faith, faith versus religion. Well, religion is 
It takes, oh, it's just about faith. You have no, you don't believe in anything scientific. You have no proof for anything. Okay, go back to five reasons why we believe in God. There is no scientific proof for that at all. But we're considered blind and ignorant. Blind and ignorant. Blind and ignorant. Science equals intellectual religion. Religion does not. Look, at some of the smartest men in the history of the world have been pastors and theologians and scholars. These guys are great. You know, a guy like Isaac Newton, you know, was a good Bible teacher, a good understanding of the Bible, but he was also a scientist. And every one of the original scientists, almost every one of them, Michelangelo was, was a believer. Um, so many people have lost their faith. Now, when I talk to older believers sometimes, and, and they'll go, oh, you, that's not really that big of a deal. Just, you know, just, it sounds like, it. just, just kind of let it go. Don't make a big deal out of it. Well, that's because they figured it out, something to hang on to their faith. And I'm glad they did. But they don't understand the effect that it has on so many. How many are lost long before they get to figure that out? How many? We didn't even want to talk about it in church. I don't know what any churches that really teach them, other than conservative churches that believe in a young earth. Older churches don't teach them. They just kind of brush it to side. Millions have lost their faith. I, I believe that all of our universities and colleges, Harvard, Princeton, every one of these were once strong Christian universities. And you can trace it directly to Darwin and, and Wellhausen. Those guys had the greatest influence on it. Higher criticism came one thing after another, one attack after another, so that today they don't believe in, they don't even believe in God. <laughs> and they, they don't even know what a woman is. They don't know anything. I mean, some of these universities are so nuts. They're so woke. They're just completely lost. Lawlessness is rampant. Because the word of God is the law. And we have to obey the law. And we better get back to the law. You're going to be under the control of the enemy. All right, number six. It undermines the rest of Genesis. Many old earth creations also reject a global flood. G. Ross does. Since science rejects a global flood, so do most old earth creations. Christians who are scientists, they reject a global flood. Well, it was just a local flood. Well, again, one of the, one of the most powerful videos, a part of this is, is Genesis history, it has to do with how the flood was formed and why the flood is in evidence, and how, why the, like the Grand Canyon and these, uh, all of these layers of rocks around the entire world they're all the same, layer after layer, hundreds of thousands of layers. Science says, oh, these were laid one day at a time, or one year at a time, so it's this many millions of years old. Again, a whole uniformity thing. It's just a lie. You gotta watch that video. You gotta see what happened. It's funny too, because you know, when you, I, I have this guy I'm having a conversation with, and uh, you know, he, when you mention certain things, he'll go, Oh, and he'll point out something about this guy who's speaking that, that he's you know, got some problem he has. He doesn't ever answer the questions of what the guy's saying. It doesn't matter because this guy's not cool, right? He's not good. He did this or he believes that. You know, he always, they all, they'll never deal with the real issue. None of the people, none of them ever deal with it. It's like they just don't deal with the facts. They don't deal with the details of Scripture. You know, they just literally, they just push these things aside and just say, well, just trust Jesus and love Jesus. Well, that's great. Do that. But get to the Word and do some work. Study some of this stuff. But when you reject the flood, I believe that's the most foundational thing in the world. The truth is that the world we live in right now, everything, every step I take when I'm out of my home, every place my car drives, I'm driving over a cemetery. 
a cemetery where millions, maybe billions of living things were buried. The least able to escape at the very bottom. That's why the geologic column is, does not mean evolution. It just means that's the ones that didn't escape. And then the higher learning, the higher capabilities, the high capabilities go higher and higher. You have millions and millions of dinosaur bones. You don't have much of human beings because men were able to escape. They would have been able to float, they would have survived, and then they would have died, and they would have just rotted in the water. So they didn't survive, they didn't get buried as much. But there are humans out there buried, but we live on a graveyard. That's the, that's the global flood. I did some serious, I did some videos on the global flood. You need to watch those as well. Um, this is, I mean, look, the Bible says the world of that day was deluged and destroyed. Second Peter again. It was destroyed. What you see in all the beauty of the earth. I've got this picture behind me of uh, Moab. And you can see all of these towers. And now how did those towers get formed? How did that happen? Did God, did they, did they made that way? No, I believe that floodwaters washed through all of this. The flood, wasn't just the floodwaters, but really it was the lakes. What happened after the flood, they, they built these, these huge lakes were created, they were dammed up by trees, and over a period of time, at some point that broke, and these billions of gallons of water flood, flooded through and wiped out everything. This, I mean, this is a blessing, because this shows us what all, if there hadn't, you know, if this water hadn't washed here, it would all be flat. This is an evidence of, a, of the flood. Again, there's lots of evidences of it. I'm not trying to do that today. Um, the, the confusion of languages is connected to the Genesis record. Genesis chapter 11. You know, when uh, the Tower of Babel was built and they were going to go again after the flood, they, they continued to rebel. And they came back, they got together, and we'll do whatever we want. And God said, nope, I'm going to split you up. And he sent them to, you know, confuse their languages. That's why we have the people groups we have today. That's why you have all the different languages. Why did that come from? Well, I mean, evolution will come up with some theory, but it doesn't matter. The Bible says that God did it. God created these languages and he separated us into people groups. So you went with your family and there are people that spoke your language and you end up, you know, going together to another continent. And, uh, you know, there's, I think the earth was probably more, I don't think the whole Pangea was completely you know, separated at that point. So people could have traveled over land to different places. You still can, most places. So it's hard to get to Australia. <laughs> So something happened there. We don't know exactly. I don't have to answer everything exactly. I'm just saying this is uh, this is one of the teachings of the Bible is that God God confused the language. If God made the heavens and the earth in six days out of nothing, it changes the narrative about God. And this is really important. He's not just sort of a side note. Isn't God just a side note in an evolutionary worldview? We argue, well, does God exist? And we go back and forth, and you have all these philosophers on both sides making all their arguments. Well, you can't prove this, you can't prove that. Well, I, I don't, there's no physical proof. Well, I mean, there is evidence for God. The universe is evidence for the Creator. It's the heavens and earth, I should say. I should get away from using the word universe. The heavens and earth are evidence for God's existence. I think they're absolute evidence. But the point of it is, everybody argues about it. And, they, and God is really a side note. Now, the church, we sing and we worship God. But we don't, I mean, there's something about it. I mean, let's just, let's just say, given the context of the world today, that people really began to understand and believe that God really did create it all in six days. What would that do to all of the other narratives running out there? 
It would destroy them. They wouldn't have any rule. They wouldn't have any authority. Again, scientists, science says this. But the Bible says God did it out of nothing in six days. Other than, well, he maybe guided the hand. He maybe started it somehow. I don't know what he really did. He did this little tweak over here, and then he kind of let it all go. And maybe every once in a while he intervened. But mostly this was not him. It was really our ability to understand how smart we are to figure out how this all happened. And we don't really need God. I mean, we do. Yeah, I want God. But, you know, no, not the God who spoke everything into existence. The same God that said he's going to judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed by giving proof of this by raising him from the dead. The day of judgment is coming. He's going to judge the world and he will judge you for how you respond to him. Why? Because he's mean and he's, he's lonely and he's just kind of a, you know, he's not a very good God. He, you know, he doesn't want people to have fun. He's, you know, um, you know, you know, who is he? He is the one who spoke it into existence. Do that yourself. You can't. No one. We can't, we're not even, we can't even compare ourselves to God. And yet he loves us and he's here with us. But if we don't have that attitude of humility, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not like I'm in terror of him, but it's recognizing his power and his authority and his glory and who he is. And you see that and it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not that. Uh, yes, you're right. I did sin. And yes, I am. Yes, I have ignored you. No, I, I don't want to do that. I want to follow you. I want to do the right thing. Um, you know, it's like if this was, if the narrative changed in this world, it would change a lot. It would change everything. And it, and it would undermine the arrogance of foolish scientists and philosophers who mock God and his scriptures. Well, let me just kind of say this, just to wrap up. The science must be wrong. Well, either the Bible's wrong or science is wrong. Here's the proposition. If the Bible is the word of God and true in all that it says, then this must be our starting point. That's where I start. I'm not going, well, I don't know. I got to prove the Bible's true. And I already believe the Bible's true. Now, I believe it in part because I've studied why I believe it's true. But I believed it was true before I did that. You said, well, you have a bias. Yes, I do. I have a bias that God who created the world is a good God. He's also a judge. And he's going to judge the world. And he's going to tell us why. And to be a good God and a good judge, he must tell us why he's going to judge us. He must give us the law. That's what the scriptures are. They're not just the law, but that's part of it. There is love letter to us as well. But it's, this is how it's to be. This is reality. The Bible is reality. So I believe that. It, 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 this is a place where I stand. I start with that assumption. And then I have to look at all the evidence. And I can look at it objectively. And if it shows me that the earth is really billions of years old, I got a real problem with the Bible. I really do. The Bible is either true in the absolute word of God or not. Or it is not. The earth is billions of years old and that can be proved in the Bible. This is clearly wrong. And in my opinion, it's not the inspired word of God. If the scriptures are clearly teaching that the earth is less than 10,000 years old and the Bible is the word of God, then science is wrong. I'm telling you today, you can rationalize whatever you want. And I understand that you will. I know it may not change some of your minds, but I'm just telling you, you're deceived and you're wrong. If you don't believe in a young earth, if you don't believe in the scriptures and what they actually clearly teach, go back to the video last week, what it says, and there's lots of material out there that shows this. There's lots of evidence for it. I, you've been deceived. Again, you're, not, you're still a believer. You still love Jesus. I still love you. I'm not your enemy. I believe the Bible clearly and dogmatically teaches a young earth. And science has not proven that the long ages of time are factual. And at this point, it's a pure, and it's pure conjecture on their part. They've not proven evolution is true. 
that all life came from a single-celled creature. This is pure conjecture based on naturalism and uniformity. All right, so I'm just, I'm going to say it again. Look, I believe it really matters, right? The Bible teaches it. It doesn't change anything, even if you add all these years to it. The prophecies of Peter are powerful. They're powerful. And those prophecies tell you that what's happening right now around us was God said it was going to happen. The Bible's lost its authority. Um, I believe it under, you know, millions have lost their faith. It matters what we teach. It undermines the rest of Genesis, um, changes the narrative of God, as this is true. And then one of us is right or wrong, and I believe it's the Bible. And the science has failed us in this area. And science is just off base. They're not right. And I believe it will actually be proven in my lifetime. They'll, they'll, they'll recognize something that's happening with, with radiometric dating and stuff. I think they already have. I think there's already evidence that it's not right. And there's some videos you can look up for that to deal with that. All right. Well, um, the Lord bless you today. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can catch us on act17accord.com. You can subscribe there. You go to Facebook page, Twitter, follow, subscribe, YouTube channel, uh, like us, share it. If you like this, share it with us, with a friend, and uh, you know, you know, hit that button. You know, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, you can reach us at info at act17accord.com. The Lord bless you. Lord, just bless this word. Help it to go forth and do the things that you want it to do. And uh, we just put our lives in your hands today and ask that you use us for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.